Welcome to the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, a podcast we're seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. We're also here as a platform for leaders to come together to unite, to develop, and empower other leaders in the areas of business, family, and community. I'm your host, Lafayette Lane, joined by my co-host, John LeBron, and today we are joined by our special guest, Benjamin Lundquist. Put those hands together, put those clappy emojis in the comment section, make Benjamin feel real good today, right here on Unscripted. He has joined us to have a conversation of how to develop a leader within. Just a little bit about Benjamin Lundquist. He is a pastor, author, and high-performance coach. He is also the host of the Rise and Lead podcast designed to motivate and equip listeners to live their greatest life with maximum impact. Ben has a passion for helping students and professionals see their value and see themselves as a leader within the, with the potential to change the world. Today, he has joined us right here on the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast. Benjamin, thanks for coming on. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, it's a huge honor. Thank you for the uh, yeah the time for us to talk about life and leadership. And I'm yeah, I've been looking forward to this conversation. So thank you definitely for the for the invitation to be on today. Absolutely, absolutely. We've been watching you on Instagram, and you are an inspiration to the masses in the world. And so let's get right into the conversation. Uh, dealing with how to develop the leader within. Before we really, really get too deep in, I want to just hear more about who you are and how you got started in leadership. We know in your bio it says that you are a pastor, author, and a high-performance coach. How did your journey start uh, in leadership? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think the the journey for leadership, journey with leadership for me started really with uh, people empowering me with load-bearing roles of responsibility and opportunities before I ever even had an idea about what leadership was. And so there wasn't this moment, you know, when I was in high school or even even in, in college where I just said, I'm a leader. That really wasn't even on my radar. But what I did know is there were there was people who were journeying with me, uh, some that I worked for, people that were just influencers in my life that saw something in me and they continued opening up doors of opportunity to give me load-bearing roles of responsibility. So before I even knew that they were empowering me, that's what they were doing. And before I even knew that they were developing a leader in me, um, that's what was happening. And so I think, you know, I saw uh, some great leaders give me uh, keys to platforms of influence that they were offering me to steward when I didn't even know really what was happening at the time, but that's really what was going on. And so, yeah, I think I am, I am who I am. I am who I am today and where I'm at today because of incredible people who invested in my life. And I, I love the quote. Uh, it's one of my favorite quotes. And it says this, um, if I see further it's because I have ridden on the shoulders of giants who have gone before me. And so I think for me, like I sit here, not stand, but I sit here on the podcast as somebody who is where he is at today because people saw something in me and they invested in me. And so I, I don't think I am self-made. I think I am others made. And I think there are other people who helped craft who I am today. And so I give full credit to God for bringing those people in my life. I get, give credit for God for, for the courage to step into opportunities when they were presented to me. But that's kind of been part of my journey. I've pastored for a number of years. I still do that uh, today full-time as a young adult ministry pastor 
in an administrative role. So really what I do is develop leaders in local churches. I develop leaders who work with summer camps and campus ministries. And then God has just allowed that growing expertise area to spill over into the corporate world. I do speaker training, uh, coach other leaders, uh, speak for corporate events, you know, on occasion. So I never asked to have the platform that I have right now. And, and I didn't really build it. I just stepped forward as God opened up doors of opportunity. And I believe that where I'm at today is where God had crafted and created me to be. And so my, I feel like my mission in life is to influence the influencers. And so I really am focused on um, who are the people in my sphere who have influence and how do I empower the influencers to expand their influence? And so I feel like that's where God has been using me most recently. Mm. Man, you said you said a lot of uh, good gems, a lot of ways that we could go from that. But I, I kind of want to backtrack to where you first started of how you were given credit and the humility that you have to acknowledge that you are the leader or you started your journey of leadership because there were people that were pouring into you. And I think that is so important because it's kind of hard on social media. People are looking for mentors or looking for mentorship. They're looking for people to develop them, to empower them. And that's kind of what our platform is to empower other leaders to provide that space for leaders to be poured into and to pour into each other. But it's hard sometimes for people to feel or to be vulnerable enough to even open themselves up to say, Hey, I want to be poured into, I want to be developed. Yep. You said, you know, you weren't necessarily intentionally trying to put yourself in that atmosphere. It just kind of happened, right? Like you had people around you that you didn't even know that were pouring into you until you later realized, hey, these people around me, and these are they're dropping principles that I can develop myself and help me to be the leader that God wants me to be. How important is it uh, for, for leaders uh, to pour into people that they see that gift in them, maybe that untapped potential to unlock their purpose. How important is it for leaders to do that, to pass and to pour into the next generation? Yeah, I, I think you can't, um, you can't overstate it enough. That's the heart of leadership. You know, if you want to talk about leadership, leadership is not about a title and a position. Leader is not about you being at the front of a line, you having some plaque on the outside of a of a of a office or you having a boardroom that's been named after you. I mean, the, at, at, at the core, leadership is not about you. Leadership is about growing and developing other leaders. That's what leadership is. So leadership is all about you using your influence to multiply the influence of other people. And, you know, if you want to go to a faith conversation, I mean, that's the Great Commission is that you had this leader named Jesus who provided 12 people with opportunity. He clarified the vision and mission of what he was inviting them into. And then he did that scary part of leadership. And this is terrifying. He said, all the authority that is given to me, I'm going to give that same authority to you. And so, you know, developing leaders is really about extending real authority. It's not just a token opportunity that says, I'm going to give you a title of a leader without letting you have any responsibility to bear. But no, I'm going to actually give you authority to speak and lead and influence on my behalf. And oh, yeah, 
I'm going to commit to mentoring you long term. And so I think, you know, that is the heart of leadership. I think that's the heart of how Jesus multiplied his impact and influence far beyond his time, you know, on this earth is that he was developing other people. And really, you know, Jesus, uh, we're going kind of a faith direction, but Jesus invested in a small core that blew up the New Testament church after Jesus was gone. And so he didn't even see you know, physically the fruits of his labor, of course, he saw, you know, after he transitioned. But I think that's the heart of leadership. You know, leaders, great leaders develop leaders. And so when you think about, you know, how important is it to pour into the next generation? That's it. Like, that's what it's all about. And the most effective leaders are always looking for opportunities to develop other people. And so I think to answer your question, that's the heart of leadership. You know, it's not about you. It's about how do you develop other people to use their gifts and abilities that are unique to them so they can in turn develop other people to use their unique gifts and abilities uh, that, that are their own. So for me, I think investing in the next generation, that's what it's all about, you know, and it's about, you know, being part of a a mission and a cause that's bigger than all of us. You know, it's about using our unique wiring to make the world better and to make the world shine brighter. And if we're the, I mean, it comes down to if we're the only candle lit, we're going to be a small light. But if a candle can, if a candle can light a thousand other candles, all of a sudden you've got a spotlight of impact and influence. So I think, you know, if leadership is going to, is going to only be about you then you're only you're going to be the only candle lit. But if you look at your role as a leader is to develop other leaders, all of a sudden you are sparking that fire and that light in other people. And when you do that, your impact and influence expands, multiplies, and grows. So when you develop people, it's good for them, it's good for the world, and it's also good for you because your your influence is being expanded in other people. Wow. So I love what you said about leading others and giving them sort of leadership roles and allowing them to grow in those roles is I think essentially summing up a, a little bit about what you'd mentioned. How do you find the their strengths to give them the appropriate sort of, I guess, the appropriate role, if that makes sense? Like, I think as a leader, a leader, the definition of a leader is by definition is just someone with a following. And many leaders, I think, struggle to give those leadership roles, like delegate them and say, hey, go get yep. them without without the hammer dropping on the person for messing up. Like you yep. expecting like it's OK, they're going to mess up and it's OK, because what is that growth? But I think it's even better if we can identify their strengths so we can put them in a sort of in the environment to flourish as much as possible. How do we find those strengths in others? I, I think that's a great question. Um, I would I would say this in response: Don't overcomplicate it. You know, I think I think we can make it too complicated. Where I just got to find the right position, and I'm just going to wait till I find the right position. No, just get that person out there and give them an opportunity to serve other people. And as you serve for a long enough amount of time, you're going to start to see 
the wiring and the giftedness and passions of a certain person. And I'll say this, you don't, you don't see passions on full display in a boardroom. You see passions mm-hmm. on full display when they're serving people and when they're, when they're impacting their community. And so I think for me, you, you always want to uh, value relationships because out of relationships, that's when you get to know somebody. So I think as a leader, you can have relationships with a small group of people. You can't have depth of relationships with a thousand people because your time is limited. Mm-hmm. But I think out of relationships, you see evidence of people's gifting. And then I think also look at your approach as it's not about always getting it right. It's just about building momentum and getting people going. And so you just are going to provide as many opportunities as you can for people to experiment in different contexts. And you're going to see gifts rise to the surface and you're going to see some things that people are good at. And every time you you provide somebody an opportunity, you want to make sure you debrief the experience and ask questions. How did you resonate with that? Did that connect with you? Did you feel like that was in line with your passions and your gifts? What would have made this a more positive experience for you? What did you learn from this? And so I think as you have relationships, you're providing opportunity, looking at developing people more as a laboratory, um, you know, where you're trying some things and then you're debriefing all of these experiences, you're going to start to see, wow, that person really resonates with A, but they don't resonate with B. So how do I provide more A opportunities for him or her? because I'm seeing these gifts begin to come to the surface. And and you said something really uh, important. You know, for some leaders, they may have an opportunity, they may have a, 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 it may be a challenge for them to give opportunities away. For me, that is the sign of an insecure leader. That is the Mm -hmm. sign of a leader who does not know who he or she is. For me, if I know my identity, and I'm a man of faith, I mean, I think that's clear from our conversation already. My worth and value comes 100% from God. That's it. It doesn't come from a title. It doesn't come from my Instagram uh, platform, my podcast. It comes from God. And so when I know who I am and I'm secure in that identity, trust me, I have no problem giving opportunities away to other people because seeing somebody else rise, I celebrate that. I'm not threatened by that because I already know who I am. And so I think if you're really going to, fulfill your role as a leader, you've got to ask yourself that question of where is my identity really anchored? Because if your identity is anchored in what you do, you're not going to give anything away because the, the rising of other people, you're going to feel like that's a threat to who you are. But if your identity worth and value is anchored in something like faith, you got no problem extending an arm or hand of opportunity because that person's not a threat to you. Because you don't get your worth and value from that person or from your opportunities or titles. You get it from where uh, your identity is anchored in your faith. And so for me, I think, you know, you've got to be a secure leader if you are really going to lead. Because leading is about giving other people opportunities to rise. And if you're a great leader, your hope and prayer is that people will rise higher than you ever did. Mm-hmm. That you don't just want people to rise, you want people to rise above you, to go beyond what you were c- capable of doing, to go where you never were able to go. And so you got to have your identity, I think, anchored in the right place. But when you do, it gives you the freedom to give people opportunities 
so they can begin to explore their gifts and abilities. I think yeah. I'm I'm starting to actually. I used to hundred percent. I agree with what you said. Absolutely. One of the areas I I'm starting to I acknowledge even more is I think leaders fail to give things away because the fear of what they will look like if the if that project fails. Yep. Even Ooh. more than that person succeeding in getting limelight. Because some leaders do have an issue with that. But what I'm noticing, even with our own, within our own companies and you know some people close to me and other companies and what I'm watching and closely is, it's not that they don't want their team to succeed or even get attaboys. It's that they're afraid if Bobby messes up, it's going to make me and my business look bad. Yep. And, I, and that insecurity of having one failure and it looking bad and them thinking that they're the only ones that can, not even that they're the only ones, but they're not comfortable enough to allow that person to find their way through the success of that project or whatever it is they're working on. So I think it almost goes another level of, is it, is it that they're so, are they afraid of the person getting more limelight or are they more afraid of that person failing and how it looks to on them, which is ridiculous, but goes back to what you said about insecurity. Mm -hmm. And I think how can somebody, since we're talking about how to develop the leader within, how do they develop a more secure self as a leader? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think for me, the, confidence that I have as a leader. And I just want to let everybody know, like that wasn't, that is still developing mm -hmm. and it was never built overnight. It's been built over 40 years, you know? So just to let people know that um, it's, it's definitely been a process, you know, being able to do that. But I think for me, the confidence is knowing where my identity is anchored and then having taken enough risks where you know that you will recover if this doesn't go well. Mm -hmm. And, and I've had enough opportunities to step out and have successes and have challenges to know that I'm not afraid of the failures, because even if I fail, I know that I am not a failure because I know where my identity is anchored. And so, you know, I think one of the unique places that a lot of young leaders are in today and you see this in Division One athletic programs all the time, if anybody are sports fans, is so many young leaders have never failed. They've never failed at anything. And when they do, it rocks their world. And the yeah. reality is most, most D1 athletes are not going to make it to the pros, but they've never failed. So they don't know how to recover when that contract doesn't happen or when they don't get, don't get that call. And so I think for people who are, you know, wanting more confidence to extend um, opportunities to people. If you're in a workplace setting, my recommendation would be build a culture in your office or your workplace where you celebrate the laboratory approach to development. And maybe that means talking with your CEO. Maybe it means talking with your manager to say, we want this to be a place where when somebody joins our organization, we make them better. We also know that we are going to have to approach this like a laboratory. People are going to have to try some things. And again, 
you're not setting people up for failure. You are taking calculated risks to develop people. So you're not shoving somebody into a situation he or she has never been in and just letting them know, hey, sink or swim, it's on you. Now, that's not being a good leader. Like you're not setting somebody up for success. So I think the responsibility is on us as we develop people to take risks that are calculated on people and set people up for success and build a culture within our organization where we 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 honor and we value these growth opportunities and we recognize sometimes those are going to be a home run and sometimes they're going to be a foul ball but if they don't go well we're going to get right in there and we're going to use it as a learning opportunity to see how we can do better next time isn't a part of that, and that was really good, a part of that process of using that laboratory is that word trust, right? If you don't have trust for your team or trust for your people, because as John was saying that, um, you know, the leader's afraid that the company will look bad or they'll look bad. It's a lot of times because you said insecurity, which is definitely a part of it. But a, a part of that is that there's a lack of trust. Would you Would you agree with that? De definitely. You know, and I think if you, you know, if you are working organizationally and you want to build a a laboratory setting at your level within your organization, you want to have full support from the level above you to build that laboratory. You know, you don't you, I can tell you CEOs or, or, high, or the higher ups, they don't want to be surprised by something not going well. <laughs> if they know about it and it doesn't go well, that's a whole different scenario then you didn't prep me. You didn't let me know. And so I think, you know, part of that building that trust is that you are co-building a culture within your organization. So you're not building this as an isolated silo. You are talking with your CEO. You're talking with your managers. You're listening for his or her vision to live that out within the field. But I think, you know, that trust is built on communication, regular communication. And I think being able to regularly communicate about the culture that you want to build within your organization so people aren't surprised by successes and they're not surprised in those moments when things may not hit the mark because you're talking about it all the time and you're always looking for opportunities to grow. And so, yeah, I think you're totally right. I think it is, you know, those that laboratory setting is built on trust and trust is built on honest and authentic, regular and consistent communication. So you're always talking about this within your within your teams on how you can provide people opportunities, I think, to grow and develop. Absolutely. I want to uh, read a quote that you put up a few days ago from Instagram page that was very powerful. You know, we a lot of people start off the new years talking about dropping weight. Yep. You made a post about weight, but not physical weight. You were talking about the weight of others, of people's opinions of you. Yep. And you said the best weight you'll ever drop is the weight of other people's opinion of you. You know, we're living in the social media era where yep. everyone is always concerned how it looks. Do I need to filter? Do I need to edit? You know, because we're so concerned about other people's opinions. But in leadership, as you mentioned earlier about the identity piece, how do we drop those weights to say, I'm going to be who God called me to be and not worry about the opinions of other people? Yeah, I, th I think that's a that's a great um, quote that I shared in in that it's a it's a very relevant topic, I think, for all of us. 
And, you know, I think there, whether you've been in the life and leadership game for 50 years or you've been in it for 20, we always have to sort through, am I going to allow the opinions of other people to define who I am, my worth and my value? So I think when it comes to navigating the opinions of other people, just like anchoring your identity, you don't ever reach a plateau where you're good. You always have to be hyper aware of where your identity is anchored and how the opinions of other people are affecting you. You always have to be aware of that. I think some good kind of the backstory with that quote that I share is I think you just have to kind of step back and take a big picture approach and just know some things that are true when you wrestle with opinions. And what we know is true is that nobody has your calling. Nobody has your gifting. Nobody has your abilities. Nobody has uh, your unique journey. Nobody has your past. Nobody has your future. And so, you know, we often, you know, let the opinions of others sink in when nobody's living our life. Like nobody has had our life. And so for somebody to say, you should be this or you shouldn't be, be doing that, I think you can you can take an opinion and you can glean the good out of that. But at the end of the day, somebody is just sharing their angle of a life that they're not living and they have not lived. And, and chances are, if they're very opinionated, they're not even in tune with their own journey. Because if they were in tune with their own journey, they wouldn't be as opinionated as they are because they recognize that everybody – needs to be dealt with in a way of, of empowerment and grace because everybody's been through a lot. Yeah. So I think, you know, just kind of keep that big picture perspective that, hey, thank you for sharing what you've shared. I, in my own way, am going to take the good from that. I'm going to toss out the bad. And I'm always going to remember you're just sharing words based on an outside perspective of a life you've never lived. You don't know me. And you chances are, if you're super opinionated, you don't even know yourself. And so you're just sharing what may have triggered you in the moment. And, and what I found, too, and I'm sure you guys can resonate with this, too, is what and what people are the most critical of in you is about unresolved issues in themselves. Mm. And when they see it in you, it triggers what they most dislike about their own journey. And that's why they're leaning into you because they're frustrated seeing in you what is unresolved in them. Mm. And so, you know, I think for people like say thank you, uh, distance yourself from toxic, toxic uh, opinions. But I think, you know, if it's somebody you trust, take what you can from it, throw out the rest. If it's an opinion you don't value because they don't value you, create some distance, you know, from from those individuals. I think you always want to try to learn, but you don't ever want somebody to devalue you. And so it's like I'm, I'm all about learning. But if the core of what you're saying is a is a motivation to devalue me, I'm not going to play that game. And I'm going to create some distance between you and I because that input is toxic to me and you're not helping me grow and helping me develop. And last thing that I would just share, and I'd be curious what you guys think about that as well. Social media is all over the place. I mean, I can't even name all these social media platforms that are out there. There's so many. Yeah. My, my, what I have learned, not even advice, what I have learned is this you're either going to be on social media as a consumer 
or you're going to be on social media as a contributor. Mm -hmm. And the call is to be a contributor. And when you are a contributor, you worry a lot less about the opinions of other people because your goal is to add value. Your goal is not to consume the value of others, but it's, you know, it's iron sharpens iron, but you approach social media with a purpose. And the purpose is not about letting everybody else speak into your life. The purpose is you want to be a contributor to the greater good by adding um, empowering content that is rooted in love that makes the lives of other people better. And so I think if social media is rocking your world in a toxic way, ask yourself that question. Do I have the posture of a contributor or do I have the posture of a consumer? And if you're consuming, then it's going to run your life. But if you're contributing, then you can filter it a lot better because your focus is about adding value to other people. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, I think a lot of this seems to circle around the word of insecurity. And I found that, in my opinion, the way to not become so to become more secure within yourself is to know who you are and whose you are. Yep. Now, whose you are is definitely a spiritual conversation. But finding who you are, I think, comes from a personal development journey. When I was in my early 20s, I found both virtually within the same year. And obviously you grow within that. You don't just start personal development or, you know, find yourself as a child of God and instantly you have an amazing self image. You don't worry about what anybody thinks, but it's definitely step one. And we can talk about God and faith and all that stuff. Um, you know, probably another time. Cause I mean, definitely I like to focus on that, but understanding who you are definitely comes from your personal development and, your commitment to consistency within that. And so for myself, that had, that had been through just investing in time as in reading materials, books, listening to the appropriate podcasts or MP3s, attending seminars and things that will pour into me, not pull out of me. And that started when I was 21. I'm now 38. It's been very consistent. Obviously some months you're deeper than other months, but overall consistent on a daily basis. What are some things you've done to develop or that you could recommend for people who are starting that journey or who are in the journey, but feel like they should level up their personal development? Because I think it's critical to a leader under the leader feeling confident within themselves. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. And it's a big question to you. I mean, to, to all of us. And I would just say, you know, John, good on you for your commitment over the last 20 years to personal <laughs> development. And uh, Lafayette, I think, probably the same way as well. Um, good on you for doing that. And I think with, with growth, you never hit a plateau. So the idea is that you always are growing. That's the idea. It's going to look different in different seasons. It's going to look different according to what's going on in your life, what what transitions are happening. Uh, so it's going to always look different. But I think the idea is you want to always be intentional about growing in the areas of life and leadership that matter most. And I don't ever want to, I think part of my motivation is I don't want to ever get five years down the line and look back and think I could have been a better father 
and I could have been a better husband and I could have led better and I could have made more impact that it's like I often this is just the way my brain works. I live almost with the foreshadowing of regret that could come. And so I'm just always aware of I'm going to be thinking like this in five to 10 years. If I'm not owning the moment, this is what I'm going to be regretting down the line. So for me, it's like, Benjamin, you better own the now if you don't want to regret this place in your life five to 10 years from now. So, you know, I want to make the most of the areas of my life that that really matter. I think for me, John, two things I would recommend, and there's a lot in here, but first thing I would recommend is this, every leader has to assess honestly what's going on in, in his or her life. Like, I think that's just a step number one. If you don't know the baseline, if you don't know where you're at, how are you going to have any idea where to put your attention, your focus, and your energy? And if you don't assess honestly, you could be dumping time and energy into money into an area of your life that's not even the most important area at, at you know at this point. So I think for me, it's it's about you know taking a little bit of time to reflect and just honestly assess what's happening in my life. Where am I at? My five favorite assessment questions. This is going to get real practical. My five favorite assessment questions are these. Number one, what is going right in your life right now? If there's something going right, celebrate that. I don't think we celebrate the stuff that's going right enough. We always focus on the stuff that's not going right. But the fact is you're breathing. You're alive. You have a friend. Many of you have a job. You have influence over somebody. Uh, you are not where you, you you were 10 years ago. Even if you're not where you want to be, you also have made some progress in your life. So whatever it is, celebrate what is going right in your life. Question two, what is going wrong in your life? And I think for something to be going wrong, it's stopping your forward progress. It's stopping you from being from developing your gifts and abilities. So what's going wrong? Name that stuff. Uh, question three would be, what is missing in your life right now? Like if you could add some things to your life and it would level you up, what doesn't exist right now? Is it a routine? Is it a mentor? Um, is it an inner circle? Whatever it is, is it financial stability? What's missing in your life uh, right now? And then number four, what is confusing in your life right now? I mean, there's probably some stuff with all of us that we just don't have figured out. Any, any of you guys have stuff that's just, you don't have it figured out yet? That's the stuff you want to get. You want to get input on. You want to seek mentorship. But what is confusing in your life? And then finally, um, and you can pick the time. What works for me is where do you, where do you want to be in ninety days? Because I think ninety days you can make a significant amount of progress in ninety days, three months. And I can wrap my head around ninety days a lot better than I can wrap my head around five years. So for me, ninety days just works. So. Assess honestly what's going right, what's going wrong, what's missing, what's confusing, where do you want to be in 90 days? And if you're willing to be brutally honest, that then you got something to work with. Then you've got a foundation you can build off of. And then for me, it's really looking at that honest assessment, John, and just asking the question, where do I want to grow? Like what areas of my life really matter right now and writing those down on paper for me what always matters is obviously my my spiritual and physical health huge priority my relationship with my wife kim am i being an engaged father to remy and koa my influence on other people 
uh, some of that stuff. But just decide what areas do you want to grow. And then here is the secret sauce that I'm going to give to you on the podcast that has worked for me so well. And maybe somebody else has done this, but I always struggled with this idea of like, how do you build a system of habits to grow? Because it just seems complicated. And I don't know, I just, it wasn't connecting with me. So this is my system of habits, the way I approach it that has really worked. So again, you've already assessed honestly how you're doing. You've decided these are the two or three areas that you really want to grow because they matter most right now. Then when it comes to you growing in those areas, simply ask these questions. And for me, these have just been brilliant questions that have helped me out so much. And they're so simple. Here are the questions. you got an area you want to grow in. Whatever it is, marriage, leadership, could be anything. Here are the questions. What do I need to do every day to grow in that area? What do I need to do every week to grow in that area? What do I need to do every month, every six months? and every year to grow in the areas that matter most. For me, um, it was very encouraging to say, I'm just going to focus on the day. (laughs) Like, what do I need to do every day? And I'm going to start there. And then you kind of keep building. But for me, I just begin to build a system of habits for my life. And I've been rolling this for the last 10 years on that approach of daily, weekly, monthly, every six months and every year. And you're simply uh, picking what you need to be doing um, in those different time plots in the area of your life that that matters most. Can I give you a quick actual case study of what that could look like? Go, go. Um, okay, let, let me let me let me. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: I'll have you guys pick your own adventure because you ever you ever seen those shows where you pick your own adventure? You know. So, do you want to hear a case study in in marriage, or do you want to hear a case study in leadership development? You can pick your own pick your own adventure. Give me the marriage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you so you've done the honest assessment, and you have decided that growing having a growing marriage it, it matters. It's one of it's one of the most the highest priorities for you. So, if you took that approach of daily, weekly, monthly, every six months, every year to your marriage, it would look like this. And Kim and I try to practice this on the regular. Every day, you are going to do 20 minutes of phone-free conversation with your spouse. 20 minutes. You put the phones away. You talk about your day. You debrief. You talk about challenges, successes, wins, losses. You listen. But you, you have 20 minutes of phone-free conversation a day. Every week, you are going to do a date with your spouse. That could be a day date. It could be an evening date. That could be the kids go to bed. We get Thai food takeout. Amen and amen. And we sit around at home and we watch a Netflix movie together, whatever it is. But every week, you're going to do a date with your spouse. Every month, you are going to plan a full day with your spouse every month. Sometimes the kids may the kids may join you. Sometimes it's just you guys together. But every month, you're going to do a full day. Every six months, you're going to plan an entire weekend with your spouse. Could be your family. Could just be you guys. And then every year, you are going to plan an entire week that you are going to dedicate to you and your spouse every year. So you can just kind of see how you could create a system of habits for an area of your life that matters most by just saying daily, weekly, monthly, every six months, and, and every year. 
Benjamin, whatever you just said, the lights just came back on. So that was very powerful, literally. <laughs> it just caused the lights to come back on. In all seriousness, that's so that, funny. <laughs> those principles that you just gave are, are so good and they may seem simple, but I think sometimes we overlook the simple things that can make the biggest impact in our life. Mm. And I think what you just said can be, I know you gave a marriage example, but even for those that are not married and just leaders, you can take those principles, whatever goals that you said in those little steps. I like how you said the assessment is 90 days. Where do you want to be 90 days from now? Yeah. Sometimes people are like, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? You're like, I don't know where I see myself 10 hours from now. You know, I'm going to go to bed at night and then see, you know, what happens tomorrow. And so I think it's that quote that I, I love that the way that you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Yep. You know, just putting it in small portions and making goals that are attainable. And for anybody, I, I always recommend, and this is just, you know, I think we we paint an unrealistic picture if we think that everybody's just going to, you're going to kill your system of habits all the time. That's just not the case. You know, stuff comes up and, and yada, yada, yada. Man. But I think what I always try to recommend to people, three things is give yourself a lot of grace because you are experimenting in a laboratory setting with a system of habits that you have never tried before. So give yourself some grace. Number two Ask yourself every month, is this system of habits working? If it's not working, change it, you know? And so it just, it, you're going to have to tweak this thing out as you go. And third would be, if you fall off the horse, get back up, get back up and start with day one and then start with what you do every week. And then every month, it, it is not when, it, I mean, it's not if, it's when you fall off the horse. It will happen sometimes. Absolutely. So give yourself the grace, um, change your system of habits as you need to. And then if you fall off, remember, don't shame yourself. Just get back up and start with day one again or, or build a new system and give it a go. Because, again, I think the I, the vision is be a better leader at 70 than you are right now. It could be 80, it could be 90. I'm hoping for me it's at least 90. But the idea is that you want to grow for the rest of your life. Leadership is a long game. It is not a short game. So you're going to have some moments where it doesn't all flow the way you want it to flow, but get back up and try again and move forward to keep going, keep going and keep growing. Facts. John, did you have any more questions for Ben before we get into our last segment? No, you're good, man. All right. Ben, we always ask our guests, we wrap up our last segment called Off Script, where we kind of go off scripted and we ask our guests to give us something. It can deal with the topic. It doesn't have to necessarily deal with the topic, but something that's on your heart that you want to leave our audience with. Yeah, so unscripted, um, yeah, unscripted on my heart right now. I'll say this. I think that coming out of the pandemic, the most effective leaders are going to be those who empower other people. We are all about a decentralized system of influence. I think we are we are no longer going to see people uh, respecting leaders because of their titles, because of their organ their place in the organization. People are going to respect people who empower and develop people. So I think coming out of the pandemic, what is on my heart is really that question of who are you empowering? 
Who are you handing keys of opportunity to? Um, who are you giving a leg up? Who are you advocating for? Who are you helping win? Because I think coming out of the pandemic, the most the most influential leaders are going to be the leaders who empower the most effectively. And so you got to be focused on empowering. And again, empowering is all about seeing that worth and value in people. And it's about giving people opportunity. It's about opening up doors for people that may not have opened on their own. And it's about committing to learning with people, even after they try some things to say, I want to help you grow long term. So I, I, I think that's on my heart to just say, um, we've got to get over the titles and positions. You know, titles and positions, they are important in that they give focus to energy um, and they they have responsibility attached to them. But I think we've got to think bigger. We've got to think about how do we empower more people and how do we advocate for more people and how do we use everything that we have been given to help other people win to help other people rise. And I'll just, I'll just, you know, leave you with this. I'll never forget the moment that I was working at a summer camp in Georgia in the middle of the summer, hot, it was hot. And uh, I had gone through staff training. I had been hired to work on the waterfront at summer camp to take care of these kids that were wanting to ski and wakeboard and kneeboard. And so we went through a week of training at this summer camp. And I'll never forget that first day of actual summer camp after the uh, staff training week, the director, who ironically I just had lunch with today. This is like, you know, 15 years later. But I never forget the director. His name was Rob. He walked down to the ski dock on the first day of camp, about an hour before the kids were about to start their rotation, uh, first day of summer camp. And he walked down to the dock and uh, he greeted me. And then he, uh, I could tell he was carrying something in his hand and he uh, walked over to me and he just said, we hope you have an incredible summer. We're so glad you're here. We believe in you. He stretched out his hands and he put the keys to a brand new ski boat in my hands that was worth $150,000. And he put the keys to say, you take care of the boat. This is your opportunity. I am empowering you with the authority to care for these kids. I'm empowering you with the authority to care for this $150,000 ski boat. This is the load bearing role of responsibility. It is yours. And there was so much empowerment in that moment to know that he was handing the keys over to me and he wasn't abandoning me. I knew that he was going to be with me every step of the way. And I knew that he was going to be there for moral support, for mentoring support, uh, coaching support for the whole summer. But there was just something significant about being empowered by a leader to become a leader. And I would just challenge everybody, if you want to lead effectively as we move forward, you need to be a leader who empowers other people. And I try to do that with my uh, podcast, my social media platform in, in, in the areas that I have influence over. But I think for me, moving forward, um, that's how you're going to be effective. And that's how you're going to make the biggest impact is by being an empowering leader for other leaders. Listen, we want you to stay connected to Benjamin 
This has just been an amazing conversation. Follow him on social media at Benjamin Lundquist. Also tune in and listen to his Listen to the Rise and Leave podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts and the podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Tune into that. Leave him a review. Leave him a rating. He's doing amazing, great things. And we thank him again for having this conversation with us right here on Unscripted about how to develop the leader within. As always, stay connected with us here on Unscripted. You can follow us at Unscripted on all Unscripted Leadership on all social media platforms. You can join our Patreon family, patreon.com slash Unscripted Leadership. Check out our website, unscripted-leadership.com. And of course, you can stream this podcast on all podcast platforms. As always, we pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. We're here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges connect and walls divide. Until next time, God bless you.